Thank you so much. Boy, I'm glad he passed the test. Amen. I tell you what, I sure have failed enough, but I'm glad he's never failed a test. He always passed. Well, how many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? Will you hold up the Word of God? And, and if you will, I want to ask you to join me now in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, chapter number 49. The book of Genesis, chapter 49. Now, I have an old Schofield Bible, and if you have one, that's page 69. If you don't have one, it's real easy to find. It's the very first book in the Bible. So if you'll just open that front cover, you should be in the vicinity of the book of Genesis. And then in chapter 49, I want to read some verses here in just a moment. Let me remind our folks now again of our services Sunday, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, and 5.30. And let's do our best to pray, and then let's bring others with us when we come to church uh, this coming Lord's Day. I'm going to ask you, if you will now, to stand with me all over the building out of respect as we read the Word of God here together tonight. And then I'll have prayer. You can be seated, and uh, I'll preach real fast, all right? Look at Genesis chapter 49, and let me begin with verse 22. Genesis 49 and verse 22. The Bible said that Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow by a well, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him, and hated him, but his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb." The blessings of thy father have prevailed above the blessings of my progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brethren. That's all I'm going to read. And I know probably reading that you think, boy, you know, I appreciate all that, but I have no idea what that means. Well, that's why the Lord calls preachers to preach, because he, you know, wants us to try to explain the Word of God. And I promise you tonight, as we consider these graduates that are before us, and just all of us in general, that God has a good word for us from this text tonight. So let's pray. Father, would you speak to us now and bless the Word of God and help me here as I try to preach for just a moment. And I'll not preach a long time, but I pray you'll give me the heart of these graduates for just a moment. Give me their ears, and God, may their hearts be open to the Word of God. And I pray tonight, God, that you would help them to make choices tonight that will affect the outcome of the rest of their life, I pray. And then help us all, Lord. We all need you like never before. So I pray you'd help us. Bless us as I try to preach. Open our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. Now, if you're graduating from high school tonight, that means that you were born, probably born in the year 2001. Here are some of the things that happened the year that you were born. If you were born in 2001, George W. Bush was the 43rd president of the United States of America. In 2001, the Baltimore Ravens defeated the New York Giants to win Super Bowl 35, and the Arizona Diamondbacks defeated the Yankees in seven games to win the World Series. Anytime the Yankees get beat, that's a good year. 
20,000 people died on January the 26th, 2001, when an earthquake hit India, and it injured another 127,000 people. Boy, that was a huge, a mammoth earthquake. Harry Potter, whatever this was, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone was the number one movie in 2001. On September the 11th, 2001, we all remember that date, the day the World Trade Centers, along with the Pentagon, were attacked, killing almost 3,000 people. And one other thing happened in 2001, and that's this. Most of y'all were born. When you were born, you were wrinkled, red, bald, toothless, couldn't hardly see. You were crying and complaining and didn't have one stitch of clothes on. Now, 18 years later, about the only thing's changed, at least you got some clothes on. In 2001, the price of a gallon of gas, boy, these were the good old days, was $1.46. A loaf of bread cost $1.82. A gallon of milk was $1.38. And a dozen of eggs was $0.90. Cents. And believe it or not, a first-class stamp was $0.34. Cents. But enough about the year you were born because this is now 2019. You're graduating from high school or college, as the case may be. And on behalf of everybody here tonight, I want to say one great big congratulations. If you're the average graduate from high school, if you're the average graduate from high school, then you have spent 13 years of your life in school. You count them up as 2,340 days. And it comes to about 18,720 hours of your life so far have been spent in school. If you're the average teenager, you've slept 52,560 hours. Most of that was in school. If you're the average teenager, you've watched about 12,173 hours of TV and ate 7,488 hours, mostly pizza. If you're the average person, you're going to live to be about 78.1 years old. And if you're average, you're probably going to make about $1,978,000. And if you're average, you'll spend about $1.7 of that. And I'll tell you what, for the life of me, you won't know what you've done with the rest of it. Can I have an amen? amen. Now, out of everything I just said, the one thing that kept occurring over and over again was the word average. If you're the average this... Or if you're the average that, then this will be true of your life. But I would encourage you tonight, if I may, I would encourage you not to be average. You know, somebody once said this, average is as close to the bottom as it is to the top. And the whole point of the message tonight is this, you've just finished high school, or as the case may be, you've just finished college. You're moving out, and you're moving on. One door has closed, and another door is getting ready to open. You ever notice what we call graduation services? We call them commencement services. It, we don't call them concluding services. We call them commencement services because you're actually be, beginning to commence a brand new part of your life. If Jesus don't come, your whole life is before you tonight, I challenge you. Don't be average. Determined by the grace of God to be above average. And I want to read to you tonight the story, or I have read to you tonight the story 
of somebody who was, who was just not your average Joe. So I want to preach tonight on that thought, not your average Joe. Now the Joe that I'm referring to is a young man by the name of Joseph. Joseph in our text is a young man, but he was not your average Joe. This Joe that we're thinking about in our text tonight actually influenced an entire world. And the whole point of the message is this, if God could use that boy who was born to an average family in an average country and God could use him to impact and influence an entire world, what can God do with your life? What could God do with your influence if you determined to use your influence for God? So let's talk a little bit tonight about not your average Joe. Let me point out some things from this text that I've read tonight. I'm talking about a man in our Bible by the name of Joseph. And I want to show you tonight, if you'll look with me in this text, I want to show you there's three things that said about this above average, of this above average life. First of all, I want you to look in our text tonight, and let me talk a little bit about the fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of Job. Now, in verse 22, and by the way, what we have here is a daddy who's on his deathbed. Daddy Jacob, he's got 12 boys and one daughter. And, and right before he dies, he sits up in the bed, and the Word of God said that he calls all of his children one by one before him, and he begins to just talk about their life. And by the way, this daddy was brutally honest as he began to discuss with these boys what their life had been about. For instance, if you look back in chapter 49 and verse number 3, the first child that he had was a boy by the name of Reuben. And he says this, Reuben, thou, verse number 3, thou art my firstborn. But then he said this in verse 4, unstable is water, thou shalt not excel. You know what he's saying, Reuben? You just like water. I mean, you're wishy-washy. You're back and forth, and you always choose the path of least resistance. Well, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't like for my daddy to say that about me. Then he comes to verse number 5, and he starts talking about his boys by the name of Simeon and Levi. And he said, hey, you boys are instruments of cruelty. Man, I don't want my daddy to say that about me. He goes on down, and I mean, man, he says, down in verse 16 and 17, he says one of his boys, he said, you're like a serpent. <laughs> I don't want my daddy to say, you, now my daddy has said this before, you meaner than a snake. Your daddy ever told you that before? But he said, hey, you're just like a serpent. But when he comes to verse 22, he begins to talk about his boy by the name of Joseph. And what he compares him to, if you'll look at verse 22, he said, Joseph, you're like a vine. A vine. Look at verse 22. He said, Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a fruitful bow or a vine by a well whose branches run over the wall. He said, now, he said, Reuben, you're like water. You can't make up your mind which way you're going to go. And which in every way is the easiest way for you to go? That's the path you're going to choose. Simeon and Levi, you are low down. You're, you're instruments of cruelty. And Dan, you're like a serpent. But Joseph... You know something, Joseph, you put me in mind of a vine. And by the way, not just any vine, but he says a very fruitful, luscious, vibrant vine. This vine that he compares Joseph to was a huge, it was a huge vine, and no matter what happened to that vine, it just kept on growing and thriving and prospering, no matter what happened to it. 
I mean, you couldn't contain it. It didn't matter. The bad things come. The droughts come. The, the, the diseases come. The problems came. But the vine kept on flourishing. In verse number 22, you're a fruitful, a fruitful vine. Well, he says, Joseph, you know something? You're like that. Joseph, no matter what happens to you, you keep flourishing, you keep prospering, you keep thriving, and you keep growing. Joseph, you're like that vine. You cannot be stopped. Then he tells him this. Look at verse 22. He talks a little bit about the extent of this vine. Look at verse 22. Verse number 22, he said, This vine runs over walls. In other words, what he's trying to say is the influence of this vine cannot be contained by the walls that's been built around it. No, sir. They build walls around this vine, but it just climbs the walls and runs over the walls and affects everything around it. You know, Joseph was like that. I mean, no matter what happened to him, what walls were put around him, Joseph's life just kept on growing and influence. His life was felt way beyond the four walls of his own home. His influence, his impact was felt around. You know why he was like a fruitful vine? He could not be contained. You know, I got to thinking about the life of Joseph. His life revolved around four houses. Listen to him. Number one, his parents' house. Number two, Potiphar's house. Number three, the prison house. And number four, Pharaoh's house. Yeah, I'm telling you, his life was from one home to the next home, but no matter what home he was in, like a vine, he kept thriving. Like a vine, he kept prospering. Like a vine, he kept growing. And God blessed his influence, and he grew over the walls and impacted the entire world. The extent of this vine. But then I got to looking at this. The energy of this vine. Look again at verse 22, and I want you to notice what made this vine so prosperous. Why in the dry times did this vine keep growing? In the times of disease and bad things that happened, why did this vine keep on flourishing? Verse 22 gives us a clue when it says this. He said, you were, your branches ran over the wall, but he said this, verse 22, you were by a well. Can I tell you something? I think all of us in here know that if any kind of plant life is going to survive and if it's going to thrive, then it's got to have an ample supply of water. You know the reason that when you walk out in a, in a desert that all that's blowing across the floor is old tumbleweed and, and the only thing, about the only thing that grows is cactuses out there? And you know why nothing thrives in the desert? Because it's dry. It don't have a lot of water. But the Word of God tells us that Joseph, his life was near the well. Everything, if it's going to grow, must have water. If it's going to thrive, if it's going to prosper, it must have water. And the reason that Joseph's life, like a vine, prospered and, and it, 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 it survived and it thrived was because Joseph was by a well. Now, you say, preacher, what does that mean? Well, that whale is a picture of the presence of God. Nobody can argue the fact that Joseph lived his life with a consciousness of the presence of God. No matter where Joseph was, no matter what was going on in his life, it seems like Joseph always positioned himself near to where God was. 
near to where the well was. That's the reason we read this. Let me show you a good verse. Look at this Psalms 1 verse 2 verse. It says, His, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law doth he meditate day and night. Then verse 3 says this, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You see, uh, the, the reason that Joseph's life, because it, it thrived and, it, and, it, and he made it through the difficult times of life and he was fruitful is because he located himself near the well of God. I was going to preach. I was going to preach two or three weekends ago, and, and it was on a Saturday morning. Who wants, who wants to go preach on a Saturday morning? I, I was all the way up there. I was just thinking to myself, why did I do this? I'm stupid. It's beautiful outside. I'm driving to church to preach. And I thought, I'm never going to do this again. So I'm going up Business 40. I've got about a two-hour drive. It's up in the mountains, and I'm going to preach. And, and I got near a place called Lake James. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's right on the side of 40. It's about exit number 90 or something like that, going toward Asheville. And it says Lake James. And, and as I neared that exit, I noticed one big old sign over there, and it was from a real estate company. And here's what it had on it. Location, location, location. And I guess what they were trying to do was to get you to buy a home located near the lake. Well, I want to tell you something. You know why Joseph was so successful? I'll tell you why. Location, location, location. He situated his life near the well of God's presence. Can I tell you something? To, to, to situate yourself anywhere but in the well or near the well of God's presence is going to lead to deprivation and suffocation, and you'll never, ever reach full potential for God's glory. Can I tell you this? Anybody that situates himself, locates himself near the well of God's presence, God's going to bless their life. Anybody that stays near God, God is going to bless. Well, that's what I want to challenge y'all to do. You're walking out of here, and you know something won't be long. You'll be living out on your own if some of you aren't already doing that. Some of you are already married, and you know you're going to be out there by yourself. But I just want to challenge. I dare you. I double, I triple dog dare you to situate your life near the well of God. If you want God to bless your life, You've got to position yourself near the well. Yeah, that's the fruitfulness of old. That's why he wasn't average. That's why they couldn't contain him. That's why he grew over every barrier that they put around him because he situated himself near the well. Say it with me. Location, 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 location. Anybody that's blessed of God somewhere in their life, they have located themselves near the well of God. Amen. And they're constantly, they're constantly drinking from a well that will never run dry. Amen. And buddy, when you situate yourself near God, the end result is there's going to be blessings in your life. So there's the fruitfulness of old Joe. But then number two, I've got to point out another thing that's said in this verse, and that's this. The heaviness of old Joe. Look again at our text, verse 23. Now, you would think an old boy that was trying to serve God and please the Lord never saw, would never see any troubles in his life, wouldn't you? 
I mean, you would think here's an old boy that's trying to live for God and he's, and he's making good choices for his life and, and he's trying to please the Lord at every turn and he's situated his life near the well and he's trying to serve God. You'd think nothing bad would ever happen to somebody like that. But then we read verse 23. Look at verse 23, and here's what the Bible said happened to him. The archers. The archers have sorely grieved him. Why, he said they have shot at him, hated him. Now, I don't know about you, but I would think everybody that would, lo would love you if you're trying to please God. Until I started preaching. Boy, did I find out differently. I visited a couple of homes tonight on my way to church, and... Uh, I'm trying to get them here, and, and I got two more signed up tonight to come with me to church on Friend Day, but here was my approach. I said, I'm a preacher. I ain't got a friend in the world. I said, everybody hates preachers. Would y'all come be my friend on Friend Day? And they felt saved, and their, their bottom lips started quivering, and they said, well, bless your heart. Yes, sir, preacher, we'll be. <laughs> but, you know, you would think everybody would love you if you're trying to serve God, but can I tell you something? That's not going to be the case. Just because you locate your life near the well of God's presence doesn't mean everything's going to go good in your life. I wish I could tell you graduates that if you'll just stay close to God, you'll never have to worry about things like cancer. You'll never have to worry about losing your job. And if I was Benny Hinn or Oil Ripoff, that's probably what I would be saying along about right now. I would be preaching this health and wealth and prosperity. And, and if you'll just serve God, you'll make a six-digit income, ride around in a Rolls Royce, wear floor shine shoes, and Rolex watches every day of your life and never have to eat bologna. But that's not how it works. Just because you situate your life near the well of God don't mean that everything's going to go good in your life. Boy, Joseph had some hard times. Why, the Bible said they 